you know, they are the two spirits, agave distillates, mainly mezcal and rum agricole are the two spirits that reflect terroir. And it's such a beautiful thing. And no other spirits in my experience, you know, come close to touching that. Um, and actually getting the chance to go to Martinique with you and walk the cane fields. I mean, it's just insane. And seeing how that island is so, it's reflective of the various terroir, microclimates, uh, variety, hand of the maker, it's all there. It's so similar to, you know, Oaxaca. Welcome to So This One Shift, a conversational series brought to you by Decoding Cocktails, featuring people from around the drinks and hospitality industry, sharing stories with a friend, colleague, or acquaintance. With any luck, we'll get to listen in on some hilarious and heartwarming tales along with the moments that shape our lives and work. Learn more about the show, our guests, how to submit your own conversation, and subscribe at SoThisOneShift.com. Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of So This One Shift. Uh, This is number six of what appears to be eight, so thanks for sticking in there with us as uh, kind of move through this fun experiment here. Today, you're going to get to hear from Ben Jones and Wyatt Peabody. They are longtime friends, and uh, Ben is the managing director of Spirit Bomb. And Wyatt Peabody is a journalist and uh, has uh, worked with a number of smaller brands throughout uh, his career. And one of the things you're going to get to hear them commiserate about today, in addition to their friendship, is that both of them have been at at points of their time, uh, Wyatt in particular with Mezcal, remembering a point in time when no one was really asking for it, but he was felt extremely compelled by it. And uh, meeting Ben and getting to hear Ben's story regarding rum agricole. And uh, so this one is, uh, is a really fun conversation for uh, for kind of thinking about the fact that, especially with a category like Mezcal, that just is and feels like it is everywhere right now. That there are the moments we can forget that that these things were hawked and talked about endlessly to get to this point where they feel almost inevitable. And uh, so, yeah, uh, sit back and enjoy this conversation between two long friends. And uh, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks to Ben and Wyatt for sitting down for a conversation. Chris just left us alone, alone, in a suite at the Ritz with, with uh, rum. With rum. Um, so, without any real inter- introduction needed, um, my name is Ben Jones, and I'm the uh, director for Spirit Bomb America, and uh, and I'm joined by Wyatt Peabody, and man, we've known each other forever, and. <laughs> I don't even know how that story started, but I mean, I do. But I, I remember very clearly. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's just amazing, like how natural and organic it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you came to my town, uh, Wyatt Peabody, recovering spirits and wine writer. Um, you came to my town of Laguna Beach to Eva's Caribbean Kitchen. Yeah. And uh, we drank mezcal that I just hand carried from Oaxaca. That's right. On the sidewalk. But I feel like the first time I met was Ellis Perlis. Really? And then came to your town. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. But we didn't get a chance to no, bond. No, 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 no. But then 
but then I went to Eva's and you're like, oh, we had like just met and like, yeah. I live across the street. Let me, you want to taste some mezcal that I've like literally, you know, hand carried up. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's our bond is just that, uh, that, uh, you know, we've been in the spirits business where in, in talking, talking about working with, uh, products that, uh, are so truly rooted to their own local cultures and I don't know. I always like to say my story kind of started when I landed in New York in 2004 and everyone was drinking Cosmos because of Sex in the City and Grey Goose had just sold for like $2.4 billion and that was like the first thing and, and I'm talking about rum agricole and everyone was kind of, I don't know, tell me I forgot to spell check my labels because there was an H in the word <laughs> rum and, and, and you kind of have a, a similar story but you know from a different part of the globe and, and I, I feel like that's where our roots kind of intertwined and yeah I mean same for me mezcal no one heard of it or cared there were two brands and the yeah. eat the worm and all that stuff and, oh yeah right you know they are the two spirits agave distillates mainly mezcal and rum agricole are the two spirits that reflect terroir and it's such a beautiful thing and no other spirits in my experience you know come close to touching that um, and actually getting the chance to go to Martinique with you <clears throat> and walk the cane fields. I mean, it's just insane. And seeing how that island is so, it's reflective of the various terroir, microclimates, uh, variety, hand of the maker, it's all there. It's so similar to, you know, Oaxaca. Mm -hmm. I mean, <clears throat> so I guess, I mean, we, we're kind of bonded around this microphone, but like, remember when? And it's like, remember when there was no such thing as mezcal? Remember when there was no such thing as Romarical? And then now these are, I mean, mezcal's probably a few leaps and bounds ahead of us with uh, <laughs> with our with our little uh, French rum style from sugarcane juice, but uh, we're, we're getting there. But well, um, I would probably argue that you guys have kept your integrity a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who doesn't have a mezcal brand at this point? Yeah, right. And as long as they're doing it right, but you know, it's there's not there's less and less of those guys that are that are doing it right. But yeah, no, we're, we've we've done it, but or we're we're still trying to do it. And the, and the thing is, like, the, to see the category is really blossoming. You know, now Martinique has been bitten by that craft distilling bug. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got three new distilleries that have opened in the last five years, and one or two more on the way. Um, well, as it should be, yeah. right? I mean, how many smoking stills were there a century ago in Martinique? Oh, hundred, couple hundred. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was like. 30 in the 60s mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then it got down to seven or eight and um what i like about what's going on now is that the you know the the newer guys are like the aoc is so you know i wouldn't call it restrictive because it's, i think it's extremely important I'm, I, I think it is very important to to keep the standards and quality and all that stuff but to see that the creativity where you know people are like i just need to do my own thing because it's a point of difference and and, and and I think it's just a really important the fact that we're we're just talking about you know Martinique and it's still sugarcane juice and and the and the creativity and the and the and just overall quality. But anyway, that's what's going on on, on now. But just going back to I don't know the first time you were there, I think it was like 2010, 2009. No, not nine. Um, maybe eleven. Because you came down with with, uh, with uh, Steve and Pablo, right? Or was L.A. Times first? No, that, no, no, no. LA, I, you had to come down and see the place, and then you had to go back to the LA Times and be like, I got to bring you guys okay. down here. <laughs> That's how that went down. Yeah. And God bless Rip Georges, who right. green lighted the whole thing. Right. I mean, no other publication in the country would have done that. So, I mean, I, 
so I, uh, first of all, I have to say thank you, thank you to Wyatt, and then of course uh, pay my respects to to Rip for because you got it, you got it done. But um, you know, me, I mean, even at that time, I you know I was pretty much a one man show, and and to get you know a major international publication to give a shit mm-hmm. and be like, oh, you know, let, we have to go talk about this category that doesn't exist, and. Um, and I thought, you know, okay, we're trying to get like, a, you know, an article. I mean, 500 words was kind of what I was expecting. And, and uh, sure enough, Sunday Morning Magazine, what, nine pages? Like the pictures were... Peden and Monk. Peden Monk. I mean, like the most important, like, you I know, mean, photojournalist. That like, was <laughs> incredible. I mean, your crew is like at least a half a dozen people. And, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, I would say that I would put that as one of the notches in the belt as far as, you know, major steps forward in the, you know, the development of the category. So thank you to, to you, White, and, and, and all the support you got to, to make that happen. And Well, and what we want to do with that piece was, you know, paint a picture for folks to see how broad the experience is. I mean, there's nothing like Martinique. I mean, the French just do everything so well, you know, compared to the British islands or the Spanish islands. There's nothing like it. And Martinique is such a fantastic, unique experience. Uh, whether you, you like scuba diving or the food, uh, for rum, for spirits freaks, I mean, there's nothing like it. I've sent dozens and dozens of people to Martinique. And um, I mean, it's pretty crazy how few people actually go by comparison. I mean, you know, you mentioned AOC. It's the only AOC outside of France in the world. I mean, that should tell you something. And it is strict to a certain degree, but thank God it's there. Mm. And, and, you know, as typically French, it's rigid, but it's yeah. actually starting to, to uh, loosen up a little bit. And not loosen, but I mean, like, they're, they're opening up because, you know, the world has to change. And, and you know, we, we, you know, there's, the world is changing all the time, whether you're talking about climate change or people's cultures and all those things. And, and so there, there is some... Op, you know, room to open of and being more adaptive. We're allowing more different types of sugarcane varietals, and they're opening more parts of the land, and and there are a lot of research and development and what have you. But um, it's great. You know, the 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 amazing thing across this the nice little journey is like you know day one, as I said, you know, I first started pouring samples of of our white rum. You know, at the 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 first and newest cocktail bars <coughs> in New York, 2004, 2005. And, and uh, you know, I, you, on one on one hand in New York, you could talk, you know, the people that kind of knew what we were talking about, but everyone else was like, what is this, grappa? What is this brandy? Like, everyone, like, the, 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 you had to say rum, and, it, you know, it's just drier, it's earthier. It's just, and, and unfortunately, you know, in America, people think rum tastes like... Uh, Bacardi. Bacardi, Kevin Moore, you can say that, right? <laughs> I don't think Bacardi's listening to this podcast anyway. <laughs> but um, but there was there was there was literally seven brands of rum in the United States at that time: mm-hmm. Mount Gay, Appleton, Gosling, Bacardi, Kevin Moore. I mean, like, um, and white rum gets mixed right. with Coke, right? And my, you know, and, and it was. I mean, it, it's hard for everyone when you first get started, but like the the first questions that I would be getting is like, why is your product literally three times more expensive than the rum I'm buying now? And it tastes funny. It tastes different. Like it was, it, it was, it was hard to mm-hmm. make those sales and and hear no all the time and whatever. And and I was also telling people don't like if I could get someone to to buy rum clement and then they're like they I say don't put it in the well. Don't make rum and coke and because your guests are gonna send it back. That doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. Any good. Like you have to make good cocktails. 
and of course, and I'm talking about Tea Punch, which we're enjoying Tea Punch now, and Thank and uh, and the whole thing was like, okay, it's a, it's the Holy Trinity. It's like you know, it's a it's a cousin of the daiquiri. It kind of looks like an old fashioned. It's this, it's that, and like we actually the path of the Tea Punch was actually really bringing back the classic daiquiri mm-hmm. because it had to like the the my vehicle. You know, I always have have said like let's give it to give it to the people in a way that they can, you know, like Understand let's say bridge it. the gap, right? And mm-hmm. so. Yeah, like at that time, no one had cocktail menus. They all had martini lists, so yep. you had to put it in a martini glass. And it's like as soon as you, you know, and all that time it was like, oh, like just make a daiquiri. It's like, well, you know, we don't have any blenders. We don't run the blenders, or I don't have any strawberry puree or whatever. I'm like, yeah. No, uh, how you, about a real daiquiri? Do you have a, you have a cocktail tin? <laughs> <laughs> you know, some sugars and lime, and then and then you put it in one of those fancy martini glasses, and like, oh, this is cool. I'm like, what do you call this? A daiquiri. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, we're, but my point is, like, people were like, it's so expensive, it's so different, it's like this, and and at that time, I was like, well, we grow in sugarcane, it's from fresh pressed sugarcane juice, we have an AOC, you know, that's, I had to explain all the differences. Now, you know, most people who are, you know, serious about spirits know about rum miracle. So we've we've made a, we've made a couple of steps forward, but I still get the same question, but the answer is different now because I, you know, I, I could have. I could I could be in front of you for two hours explaining all the differences and why and whatever, but it used to really burn me up when people would just say, "Why is it so much more expensive?" and and then I would explain all of the different reasons, and it still wouldn't resonate. And at the same time, I was saying, "Oh, and by the way, Martinique is France. We have a thirty-five hour work week. Everyone has you know health. free health care and education and this and that and five weeks minimum vacation and." And, you know, where where the rest of the rum is coming from in the world, um, even if it was a, you know, whatever, wherever wherever the rest of the rum is coming from the world, it's, it's not made the same Very way. Very different and, circumstances. And, and, and in some countries, it's, you know, the, the social welfare political situation is, isn't there. And now those things become more relevant. But it's this, we were, we were doing it that way forever. Mm-hmm. And now it seems to be you know that relevant so we don't even get to talk about sugarcane juice and terroir and all this stuff because these other very important you know product you know things behind the product behind the label are are, are taking shape so um i think you know we we've come we've come a little way and and we have a lot more to do um but it's it's really important how people now have taken more interest into what they're drinking and who's making it and where is it coming from and why and i always lead with this is the why it has to be the why has to make sense for you everyone is drinking less that's a that's a Mm -hmm. real trend but they're drinking better but they're not just drinking better quality spirit they have to also be drinking better quality spirit meaning like what's behind it Mm -hmm. and um and you know rum article and you know the original mezcals and all that stuff and and army x and you know some great spirits around the world all have that but those stories haven't been told in, uh, enough and uh, and they're finally coming to light well i mean it's interesting the end consumer and even bartenders don't tend to care about the social implications and how and you know with the controversy that we saw five years ago around rum production uh you know martinique stands in its own category but what I used to love to do, especially, you know, if a beverage director got in rum agricole um, and the bartenders had no idea what to do with it, um, I'd have him make a daiquiri from conventional rum and a daiquiri from rum agricole and have them taste it. 
and it's mind-blowing. I mean, there's no comparison by any stretch of the imagination. And that was kind of a way of reverse engineering, getting people to understand why it's more expensive mm -hmm. and why it's so unique. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, and, and then at the same time, you got brands of other stuff that's $50 a bottle and people don't even, you know, bat an eyelash to it. But yeah. So it's, it's just, it's just, it's, it's just a funny industry we're in and, and to see it all happen. But I'm glad I'm, I'm along for the ride. I'm glad you're along for the ride with me. And, and yeah, uh, we're in New Orleans, you know, this is, I, I, I think this is year 17 for me, 17, 18 tales. I mean, I, I really missed the, the pandemic years. That's, uh, that's a long time, Ben. Um, <laughs> every year, though, it feels like my first year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> every morning, it feels like my first year. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, cool. Uh, what are you doing? What's your? What you got? You're you're here, and uh, every time I've seen you here, you have some new kind of project. Like I've like I first met Wyatt in the space of like he was a journalist. He was doing all the cocktail writing, spirit writing for L.A. Times, and then you know you've been attached to some mezcal brands and. So what brings you to Tales now? Well, this, I'm this, not this media trip. <laughs> this trip. Right. Um, I'm putting together a little project, and this was a good way to meet, you know, a dozen people in one place in the yeah. space of 48 hours. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what Tales is good for. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, everyone's here, so it's a great way to knock out yeah. the meetings. So, yeah, there's a little project I'm working on. I'll tell you more about it later. Right, um, well, then, uh, tell me when, we're, when you come back down to Martinique. Now we're talking about Marnique. Um, I don't know if you guys, uh, I don't know who's listening to us right now, but um, you know, I I got started with with Rum Miracle because um, my mother's from Martinique, and and um, my, my I'm from the family that uh, the Clement family that founded Rum Clement, and so I grew up with uh, rum quite literally in my blood uh, all my life. Uh, I'm an only child raised by a single mother who, um, you know, all our family was between Martinique and France, and and. Uh, Actually, I was telling you, and right before we came on, like you know, there's like the the things that I was exposed to that I thought was totally normal, um, which then I would be ridiculed for, you know, either eating raw sea urchins on the beach, like you're talking about, or, or my mother making pate and foie gras, and my friends would come over and think it's like, you know, they're looking for PB and J, and yeah. I'm like slapping, you know, I I I I, I don't apologize for for the interesting warm upbringing that I had that, that I just was exposed to things that um, that uh, nowhere else was and one of those things was Romarical and going down to Martinique when I was a kid and and uh, you know that that kind of just like springboards you know when I go to college and everyone's you know just crushing terrible rum drinks you know with coke and uh, I, I mean it's like undrinkable and I brought my first bottle of Clamont age rum at my second semester my first of my freshman year and then it just kind of sat there because everyone like revered it we we drank it the first night or whatever a couple of sips with my college roommate and whatever and then and then i remember it was finals week and everyone's like that bottle's still there <laughs> like we could, then we finished it like that night but i guess like unofficially i've been a brand ambassador ever since <laughs> and um and so like you know so we brought rum clement here well we start we f sold our first bottle of, of I know the count. I know the day. January fourth was the day that the first invoice of uh, of Rum Clement sold in the United States. What year? Uh, January fourth, two thousand five. So I, I moved to New York uh, July two thousand four, and um, yeah, that's that second half of the year was put the whole thing together, and, and away we were. Rum JM came a few years later. Now our company, we we basically, you know, 
took rum jam basically out of terrible financial ruin and mm. despair and and so what that's kind of actually i think why my job became something was because you know rum clement was okay always very very important in martinique of course and mm -hmm. in france and okay we want to try to to um you know export it and 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 get the culture of martinique rum you know around the world and of course you know you got to be in the united states and so that was my connection was you know it's like here there's a family member in the united states like you know thirsty hungry ready to do it yeah. but i think the jam par part was was really and if i look back at it, it was like okay you know now there's two brands now there's two distilleries and we can't build a brand without building the category first mm -hmm. and that was really you know from my perspective what we had to do and that was why what led to trying to get it you know as many important people down to like yourself to see it and taste it and touch it and all that stuff and and always was like you know the brands of course are very important but it was like see rum come on see rum jam and then go see rum nasal and see james mm -hmm. and, and the other brands and, and and see the understand and appreciate like what's really going on and, and how it's important and then and then from there um i was like okay well to make this even more relevant you know we need to be more important in the rum world and 2016 we um uh we partnered and acquired with uh, acquired uh, st lucia distillers which really opened us to a whole nother side of the rum category you know traditional rum from molasses but with a different culture altogether Very of unique. blending um and laurie barnard you know a visionary a man way ahead of his time you know as everyone's zigging and going into you know multi-column distillation and trying to make you know rum that tastes mm -hmm. like vodka or adding like chemicals and vanilla to make it mix better with coke this guy's buying pot stills out of scotland or louisville or punching holes in his column still just to how to you know going back to yesteryear and you know how do we make the rum the way it's supposed to be with character and, and flavor and and then you know bringing in weird different barrels you know Chardonnay. i mean nobody's done what he did well i mean now they are well <laughs> but he started that when how long ago i mean like well so i think he got the keys to the joint in like 1980 yeah um that was really early yeah um no his so his 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 family started their distillery in 1931 in saint lucia hmm. um they were th they were one of the last two rum distilleries to survive after like the sugar crisis hmm. you know real quick the the sugar industry totally dried up in St. Lucia. I think the last sugar factory closed in 1963 or 1964, something like that. And then, so then all of a sudden, you know, and as the rum distillery is closing, now now the, the last two rum distilleries have to import molasses, which is just, you Ridiculous. know. Yeah, and so they had to basically, you know, consolidate to merge to save themselves. And uh, so anyway, that so that's that becomes what is today, St. Lucia Distillers. Um, the other family from the other distillery was first in control of, of St. Lucia Distillers, and then Lori's father, or in, and Lori's, the, the Barnard family took over, and and, the, and Lori was the one that was kind of handpicked to do that, and by the way, he was a ag agricultural, like, genius. Mm -hmm. He's credited for um, creating through a hybrid clone the, I'm proud to mess up the name, but it's something like the West Indian banana, but it's a smaller mm -hmm. banana that is, can actually pack and travel farther. Um, anyway, <laughs> we're not here to talk about bananas, but, um, so yeah, uh, the first thing he did was to, you know, ask his distiller to punch holes into the side of the, to the still to, to get extractions lower off the plate to get more flavor, you know, as you go up the column. Mm -hmm. 
you know, typically rum is pulled off 92, 93, 94%, um, 95%. And, but the lower you are, you have less alcohol. Less alcohol means more or non, more non-alcoholic parts, which is the flavor, mm-hmm. the character. But then it was the pot stills, uh, the John Doerr, which is a double retort, uh, copper pot still. I think it's 450 liters, so it's pretty small. Anyway, it comes out of Scotland. Um, then he picked up the Vendome uh, from Louisville. That's a hybrid pot still. So it's got a little column on top, but it's still pot still because it's batch fed. And, and so, you know, that's coming out of Louisville. So that's, that's designed for making bourbon. And, and, uh, and then we have another John Doerr. So John Doerr 2, real original. Um, but that's quite much bigger. It's 6,000 liters, I think. And so those are Scottish stills, and he wanted to, you know, run rum through it. And then, but the whole thing was to, to continue to challenge the blending team on creating, you know, a unique, different palette of flavors. Then it was, uh, let's bring in wine casks, Burgundy and Chardonnay, Californians and Vendel, cherry brandy casks, and, you know, of course, the port, the sherry and Madeira, all that stuff. And, you know, then he's like, has these, okay, we're going to take pot still rum like or, or all the rums are distilled and they go in barrel and so they age individually but then you like after three years you take pot still rum and column still rum like okay we'll blend it go 50 50 pot column and then we put that back in the cask for another six eight years or whatever and then after that it'll get transferred to a port cask for two three four years and no one's making rum like this you know it's the start I mean, the, now i'm getting to the 90s whatever i think it was in 2001 or 2002 he has the idea that he wants to have the most authentic St. Lucian rum experience. So he takes sugarcane clippings from Barbados, plants five acres around the distillery oh, yeah. to create his own proprietary wild sugarcane yeast for his fermentations, which is now our own proprietary yeast that we use for all of our aged rums. And so then, so he's got to do that, right? And then, <laughs> and he's like, well, now I've got sugarcane. And my neighbors to the north in Martinique, you know, make this funny rum agricole like we should try that but he's, he he did it through a pot still you know we only use columns in mm-hmm. Martinique and uh you know not a lot it's like 2500 liters a year 3000 liters a year cuz that's what you get from five <laughs> acres of cane i mean they cut the field in a, a, a day or two and and the production's done and <laughs> that's it um we've since added more we we have now 15 acres of sugar cane um but uh so yeah, wild sugarcane yeast, then adding sugarcane juice, uh, Lucian Agricole, if you want to say, or, or Lucian sugarcane juice rum uh, into the blends. That's where 1931, yeah. you know, first you start to see first the sugarcane juice rum show in the blends. The, the product is insane. And then 1931. And then, um, I mean, I, I'm probably missing a couple points, but the, the idea is that St. Lucian rum was put on the map and, you know, because of Laurie Barnard and, and um, you know, you have to mention people like Richard Seale and and uh, and Joy Spence and and you know those important rum makers in the world now. But um, you know, Laurie didn't get to see the fruits of his uh, labor. Uh, Laurie passed away in 2011. But was, even after his passing, the team kept doing yeah. all of that crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were the St. Lucia Distillers. I would say was a was a it was a mighty ship without a captain for a couple of years and um it, you know right when we first got involved you know that the, the thing was that you're already making phenomenal rum we don't have to say anything yeah. you don't have to do anything with that they just you know needed some directions and you know get just call it what it is marketing distribution whatever all that stuff um and um 
and but it was remarkable. It was like I remember like first kind of getting involved and like you know having a look under the hood and mm-hmm. and it, we made like some sort of like rough calculation. It was just like about sixty percent of all of the rum you're producing on aging goes into these bottles like Chairman's Reserve and Bounty and what you're doing. So what are you doing with the other 40% <laughs> of this rum? Like, I mean, like, because like, we can see what you're producing and then we can see what's being bottled and being exported, whatever. Oh, that's just Mr. Barnardi. You know, he t- you know we're always you know, doing this. I, you know, they, they were literally following the instructions, the rules, whatever. It's like, okay, we have to produce X number of liters of pot still rum and we have to do this, do it, whatever. And, but it, but there was none of the recipes called for this stuff. It was like for the, you know, it was going to those 19 through ones. Like I was yeah. telling you earlier, like the, they were just doing these like small little editions of each of these 19 through ones and making these very bespoke blends and what have you. Anyway, that's when you see independent bottlers and, you know, like Ed Hamilton, Barry Brothers of Plantation all start mm-hmm. showing up with St. Lucian rums. And it's because like there was, they were getting it on the, on the open market because these rums were being made that Lori had asked for, but they didn't know what to do with them. And, and smart, you know, rum people are like, yoink, I'm going to grab yeah. this bo- barrel, this barrel. And so the first thing we did, and it wasn't really to stop the independent bottler business, but it was really to protect St. Lucia because there was no control. Who's to say that someone's going to take St. Lucia rum and add a bunch of bubblegum essence and, mm-hmm. and whatever and, and call it St. Lucia rum and add a bunch of sugar or whatever, do the thing and, and you know, bottle it somewhere else with someone else's water and all that stuff. It was totally against what Lori would have ever wished for. Exactly. I mean, and so, no, the first thing was, uh, because that was, you know, they were, they were trying to pay the bills. So the first thing was like, stop that. And then, I mean, I'm like a kid in a candy store, like Treasure <laughs> Vault. And, and uh, I, I, my first little project as a test was, was actually with Martin Kate. And uh, we uh-huh. did the we did the master selection, which was the idea was like you know rum masters, people that were really, you know really important in rum who could you know who would be able to pick you know something really truly unique. Um, so we did some of the Martin and just to see if I could pull it off, and and then uh, you know it led to what was really a really really cool barrel program. So every year now, probably like 25, 30 casts, maybe that's even too many, but they're anything between eight. 10, 16, there was like a two, there was a 21 year and their single cask of either pot still or these column pot or, or they go into pour. I mean, like it's, or last year we did a, uh, sugar cane juice, hundred percent sugar cane juice that was wild fermented seven days fermentation. I, I only had 28 six packs of this stuff, um, that I didn't do as a single cask. I, I split up. I, I did one case only so we could kind of spread the love. Mm -hmm. Um, and so th- that's what is the passion. That's what the, that's the enthusiasm. That's what drives the energy. Um, and and anyway, that's St. Lucia, I guess, quickly in a nutshell. Now we've uh, branched out a little bit further outside of rum, and you know we've got Cartrone from Burgundy now. Yeah. Um, we just uh, picked up Hardy Cognac and oh, just that little brand Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> and no matter what, I love what's going on is that uh, everything is done with a, with a true passion and purpose. You know. I'm, I come again. My background, Rum Clamont, founded by uh, my great uncle, Omer Clamont, 1887, and Rum Jam, 1845. You know, really two important producers that uh, really, you know, are leading and driving the, the, the category. And then St. Lucia, actually, the, that's our youngest company, 1931. Um, then Joseph Cartron, 1882, and now Hardy, 1863. So it's like all family 
run, driven, you know, very important to where they are. I always tell my team, you know, we're not just importing the rum or the spirit. We have to import the culture. We have to tell these stories. Um, mm -hmm. We have to talk about what's behind the label, who's what. And it's, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of different companies doing a lot of different things in this space. Um, and I wouldn't say anyone's doing it the right way. Everyone has to do it their right way. But for me, and I said earlier, to me, we always have to lead with the question, why? Mm -hmm. um, why is this important to you? Why mm -hmm. is this important to me? We let's talk about it. Let's do this, you know, and, uh, you know, and uh, God bless all those, you know, RTD, vodka, soda, whatever it is, like, no, you know, or, or, or whatever it is they're doing, you know, bubblegum flavored whiskey or tuna fish flavor vodka, but <laughs> that their why is, is probably Money. important to them. Um, but I, I like our space. And I think that uh, stories and people are important and, and uh, more important than liquids, really. I mean, the liquids get you there, but, but uh, there's, there's a purpose behind what's going on. Well, as Obed yeah. Vilaine said, you're the last piece of terroir. <laughs> I mean, you're the storyteller, right? It's your job to communicate that importance to mm -hmm. the end consumer and to the people who serve the end consumers. And it's so important, and so much of it is lost in the shimmer and the bullshit that happens uh, in the name of money and profits. Whereas everything you represent is spectacular in its own right. And they're, they're also complementary. I mean, GM and Clement, so, so different, uh, incredibly different reflections of the island and the, from agricole in general, but they're so complementary. Mm -hmm. And then St. Lucia, and then, you know, all the way to Hardy. It's a really great. And we're just, I didn't tell you this before, but we're doing, we just um, picked up a Rome de Serie in Guyana. Of course you did. French Guyana. So it's the only, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the only agricole left, one distillery left in French Guyana. So it's our new reclamation project. Wow. Um, it's like three hours through the bush to get there. Should I book my ticket yeah, now? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And <laughs> yes. And, and we need to get more people to come with us. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I've been. Uh, the, I've had a couple of people like, "When is that coming to the U.S.?" Like, and it's the same thing with, with Jam. It's like, well, it's going to take us four or five years to like, you yeah. know, put uh, Humpty Dumpty back together again. But uh, but it'll 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 come. Well, that's it, exciting. It'll come. Um, cool. Well, uh, I don't know. Thanks for joining us here at T Tales of Cocktail. Thanks for having me, and thanks for the tea punch. Cheers. Um, is that a the, you know, the first tea punch is the, of the day is the decollage. That's the mm -hmm. takeoff. <laughs> so this is, this is, we are now at 35,000 feet. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Learn more about the show, our guests from around the industry, how to submit your own conversation, and be sure to subscribe at sothisoneshift.com. This series is produced by Decoding Cocktails.